0: Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Who feels challenged this morning? You know, the thing is with church, we kind of, we don't exist for ourselves. I don't know if you know that. The church exists for those who aren't members yet. They exist for those who don't know his names yet. That's why we're here. We're not here to gather, to be good, to feel nice about ourselves. and gather. We gather for the mission and the mandate of Jesus Christ. That is to see those who don't know him. To see that those who haven't received his salvation, his love, and his grace come to receive that. And it is an exhilarating thing. I don't know when last you were involved in the process of sharing the gospel with someone. Telling them what Jesus did in your life. And them receiving grace and their eyes, it's like the scales fall off for the first time. I think we too often, too quickly forget what that was like for us. Don't know, am I the only one? It's like you go to church and you hear the stories and you, 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 you become part of church culture and you start saying weird words like, bless you, brother, and uh, it's a good word. But it's like, I heard myself say that to someone the other day. I was like, what? Sheepers. I remember I, I had a friend, his name is Greg Rawlinson, he's still my friend, that's a good thing, and um, it was an amazing thing, he is a massive man, he actually ended up playing All Blacks rugby at Locke, he, he was the kid who never played first team at school, um, put all the hard work, off, work after school and ended up playing for the All Blacks, but I had a moment, we, um, we went out one night, we were together, we were about 21 years old, and um, we went out, we went back to my house, we started talking, we'd been friends for years, and I just started, he, he started asking about this church thing that I do. Because there's like there's those who go to church and people are okay with that, but then there's those who really believe why they go to church and they, they can see the changes start happening and they get a little confused. But this is one of my best mates. We start talking, and he'd just been through a big challenge in his own life with his family and scenarios going on. And at about two o'clock in the morning, I ended up leading this monster mate who is six foot five, six foot six, hundred and twenty-two kgs, muscle everywhere. Two o'clock in, in the morning in my kitchen leading him to the Lord and one of my old digs mates who wasn't in church wasn't up for it came through it he's half asleep he looked at these two big guys as I grabbed this guy and I started I embraced him he thought this was quite interesting at two o'clock in the morning it was one of those special moments had the privilege of baptizing that guy too and I want to tell you there's nothing more exhilarating than leading someone to Jesus and then watching them see Jesus it's just nothing more exhilarating. And, and why Wally's encouraging us and giving us strategy, I think it's helpful. I, I don't know about you, but I'm not the guy. I, I jumped on a plane on Friday. I was coming back from Pretoria. And um, as I was walking on the plane, I had a little laugh to myself because I kind of asked myself, what would Wally do? <laughs> I know we're supposed to ask, what would Jesus do? But I was asking, what would Wally do? And I walked down the aisle, and I was one of the last on, and there was this massive man in the middle seat. I fortunately had the window seat, and I was like, okay. You can do this. And I ended up spending two hours talking to George, who was a Dutch man from Holland, and and he's lived this incredible life. He retired at 40, got bored at 50, so started business again. And and he asked my story, and I started to tell him my story. And I was, you know, when you just, you look back, we often don't, we don't look back enough at what Jesus has done. We don't look back at the decisions. We look forward. I'm like a forward guy. I'm always dreaming of tomorrow. I hardly ever look back. But you tell your testimony, you start to look back at what Jesus has done. And, and the decisions he gave you the courage for that you never would have had the courage for. And you go, wow, Jesus. And I've got this guy sitting next to me who's lived for money and lived for, for all sorts of things. He's saying, you did the right thing. Sounds amazing. Really. I'm like, it actually is. It's cool. And I just want to encourage you. We, we really do want to see the city around us saved. And it takes acts of courage, acts of faith, acts of actually it's not about me. It's about his story. Church is not about me. It's about him. Let's do this thing. And, and we really are putting effort into Christmas. Gabe is already dreaming up Christmas morning. If you've been around for a while, you'll know there are a couple of Christmas morning stories. Won't tell them this morning, Gabe. But uh, lots of red on Christmas Day, so he loves it. And um, we really are celebrating. And last Christmas Day, if you go away on holiday, you probably wouldn't know, but it was super, super packed in here. And uh, we really do need to get aircon. But 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 it it was really hot. So what we're saying is we're going to create another opportunity on Christmas Eve. There's a whole bunch of people who actually, it's the one time of the year, they say, actually, I'll go to church then. Let's be the people who host them well, who love them well, and hopefully they get captivated by the wonder and the glory of Jesus. Is that good? It really is good to be back. It's been a busy couple weeks and had the privilege of being up in Pretoria with Rory Dyer and 3CR Church this week, and then Craig Clark and Urban Life Church, and just hearts being... I don't know, challenge, extended, boundary lines being taken broader, as you walk with men and women and, and get to hear stories of faith, get to hear stories of baptisms. At 3CR of this church, about um, 16 months ago, a lady in her 70s came to church, gave her life in the service, and Rory was preaching, and um, he spoke about baptism, and she just stood up, literally in church, stood up, and he goes, That's different um you're welcome to stand up if you'd like but she just said you know what i've just given my life to jesus i want to get baptized they've done baptisms every sunday since then 16 months ago every sunday they've baptized people and i think it's running into about 400 people and i think that's amazing and it inspires us and calls us we are the only organization who don't live for ourselves and when the church get that and when we begin to live that, I promise you this journey of Christianity becomes exhilarating. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why I love hanging around Wally. He does challenge us, calls us to more. Fortunately, I do, I've, I, I do know my neighbors. Neighbors, Some of them are here this morning. They, I did get home on Friday night. My kids were screaming. My first line with neighbors is, I'm the guy with the noisy kids. And they go, oh, I know where you live. That's... that's Now we know exactly where you live. As my kids get on that trampoline. Hello, Sharon and Keith. Again, thank you for not moving yet. Um, anyway, this morning. It's hot, I'm gonna be fifteen minutes. Is that good? We are in a series called Are You Crazy? I trust that question, that challenge, the series, the book of Hebrews and the book of chapter of Hebrews eleven, you're starting to eat. You're starting to get into it. You're starting to get captivated by these characters and the the behind-the-scenes characters who they didn't have time to speak about. You're starting to find yourself in the Word. When I look at these characters, I get captivated by the characters. Let me just be honest. I think Noah was a real guy with a real story. I I read all these guys. Enoch, they were real people with real challenges just like yourself and myself. And Jesus, just somehow by the grace of God, includes them in the great meta narrative, in the big story of the gospel, puts them in the Bible, and says these are heroes. And I think it's amazing. And 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 Jesus is coming back. It tells us in Luke eighteen verse eight says, "Will he find faith on the earth?" Why well, speak about faith? It's it's the challenges. You can it can be this gee, let's go church, let's do that." It's not that. It's not that. We just want to. We don't want to be shells of Christianity, honestly. Church and culture are butting heads. You know what's going to keep happening? Church and culture are going to keep butting heads. And if we are just shells who have an exterior and a story to tell, but it's not filled up with the life and the the challenge of God, we're going to get bounced by culture. But when we are full up of Jesus and we are full up of his word and full up and captivated by the wonder and the glory of who he is, I promise you culture will see him. They'll be captivated by him. I didn't lead George to the plane or to Jesus on the plane. I didn't get a chance, but he said he'd be keen to chat and hear more. He lives in Somerset West. He's an interesting man, but I've, I trust there's a seed sown. I trust there's something about who Jesus is that captivated him and calls him to a bigger story than living outside of Jesus. And this book of he- Hebrews is written, the book of Hebrews, not the chapter of Hebrews 11, is written to a church. It's getting a little bit lazy, getting a little bit like, yo. It's hard work. Yo, we're just going to meander a little bit. I don't know about you, but sometimes toward the end of the year, it's like all the vision of my New Year's resolutions, all the energy I had at the beginning of the year, it was all packed in there. I was like a dynamo wound up. By the end of the year, it can become a little bit like, whoa, it's been a long year. Am I the only one? It's like she just all those rhythms and those routines and the disciplines and the no Milo this year. That was in my plans. No Milo. I'm meandering towards the Milo Can more these days. Someone even brought one to my house as a gift the other day. It didn't help, but it was well-received. But it's this word to a church. It's, it's the hero here, saying, don't shrink back. Don't become smaller. Oh, but it's my personality become smaller. It's, I just want to get in a corner. No, go and love your neighbor. And maybe you're not great with words or bake them cake or do something for them that reveals the love of Jesus. I love that story of, what's it, premeditated acts of kindness. I think it's a great thing. We do it for the ones we love, and often we do it, and we're good at it when we know we'll get the reciprocal response. We know that. It's like we're going to go to Christmas, and we're going to give those guys gifts because they're sure going to give us gifts. They're definitely going to give us gifts. But I think there's something of Jesus, that Jesus is extending God, extending kin, who just gives And so I'm really excited about that. And this church is carrying on. I want to speak about probably one of my favorite guys in the Bible. His name's Noah. And he's a cool guy to speak about because most people have an idea about them. Challenges most have an idea fashioned by Hollywood, but that's okay too. Whether it's Steve Carell or the other hardcore uh, Russell Crowe Noah, it doesn't really matter. He's an amazing, amazing man. As we carry on the series of, are you crazy? I look at this guy's life and I think there's some amazing truths. And we're going to venture in there this morning. It's not a, I'm not making a statement about rain. I know we are praying for rain. This is not what this is about now. But we're going to have fun. Can we turn to Hebrews 11 verse 7? It will be on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. It says this, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. It's just a one-liner about Noah. And um, Hollywood have loved him. They portray him as this crazy dude with all sorts of beards. And, and he goes from this corporate executive in the Steve Carell show to this wild man who builds an ark. The, the other Hollywood is this. Noah is this like muscle, crazy man with the Russell Crowe voice. I'm not going to try to do it. But, but Russell Crowe. I don't know which Hollywood is sticking in your mind. But I look at Noah and, and his story. And why, why does he build the story? What's the background story? There's always the behind the scenes. That's what heroes is, he, Hebrews is, Hebrews 11. Gabe said, Hebrews is just the, it's the Twitter version of a much bigger story, and we've got to go and find it. This one's found in Genesis, in Genesis 6, and there's always faith in the backstory. See, Noah was 10 generations from Adam. That's what the Bible tells us. 10 generations from Adam, it's quite close. The problem is these dudes lived a long time. A little bit longer than us. He lived for about 900 years. Some guys live for 1,000, the most that's recorded is 1,000 years. And um, you'll see that that changes. But, but Noah lives for this big generation, 10 generations from Adam. And what has happened because of the fall, because they're sent out, because they struggle to work on you. have got the Cain and Abel thing goes on. There's a whole bunch of brokenness and a whole bunch of chaos. And we're going to go to Genesis 6 and just read the first three verses. And we're going to jump in Genesis 6. So if you can turn there, we'll stay there for the next little while. When human beings began... If you don't know where Genesis is, it's wonderful to have your church. It's right at the beginning. Let me just put that. We don't want to make assumptions that you know where that is. It's right at the beginning, behind the table of contents. Let's go for it. Verse 1. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married many of them, any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. Hi, boy, that's quite a little smack. That's like you had 900, 1,000, now you've got 120. God doesn't mess around. But there's a whole bunch of things. There's a population boom. It impacts, so it's actually chaos. We're just going to marry everyone. We're gonna, it doesn't matter what God has spoken, what he said. It doesn't matter the guidelines he gives. We give us the Nephilim. They can have their story, all the giants of the day. And, and, and in those days, there's commentators will speak out. Potentially, angels were still walking the earth, all that sort of stuff. It's all chaos, and it's all going on. And God makes a big decision. Actually, we're going to limit the years. But what you've got to know is beyond this and before this, God has been incredibly patient with his people kept calling them, kept wooing them, kept speaking, kept calling them back to original design. I think sometimes we read these stories like the story of Noah and we think this God woke up grumpy one day, so he thought, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to flush them away and start again. Talking about hundreds and thousands of years. So what does God do? And it's a little bit like like, uh, Thanksgiving, everyone goes Thanksgiving, and then have you seen the videos of Black Friday? Have you seen the videos? I watched a video of one lady, this kid ran in and picked up some Nintendo machine in America and a lady ran up, grabbed it from the kid and started running away from him. Because people lose their minds when there's chaos in the land. And there's just too many people trying to get into checkers on Black Friday. And, uh, but the big point is, mankind doesn't tend towards, well, let's walk in the ways of God. Maybe your kids did, mine don't seem to. It's trying to, they don't default to the ways of God. So don't bully your brother the next day. Don't bully your brother. It's like the next day, don't bully your brother. It's a journey for all of us. We don't tend towards, we, we tend towards spiritual deterioration and moral deterioration. And that's just the reality of mankind and our brokenness. Can we turn to verse five? So what does God do into this malay, into this mess? The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created and with them the animals, the birds and the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is a hard one to reconcile. If if your image of God is only the God of love, it's like I view everything through the God of love. God is also the God of holy. And somehow the God of holiness has been eaten up like a Pac-Man by the God of love. God is still the holy king. He still sees. It says God saw. He looked and he saw. And he is still seeing and he's still watching. Don't get worried. There's a good end to the story. Everyone stay calm. Is that good? Some of you think I'm going to stop praying for rain. He regretted. It's quite a thing. I I struggle with that line. I'm like, God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't. But he regretted what he had made. Because he watches the chaos. He sees the willful and blatant sin. You see, when we offer a grace that is hollow, we deny the existence and, and the brokenness that sin brings. To offer a grace that is full, mature, and ripe. We say, well, there's brokenness that comes. But actually, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen what he's done? And he provides his grace in the story. And then he says he judges. And here's the incredible thing. I still struggle to get around. I'm not just going to judge humankind who messed it up. The animals, the world, it's going to be drowned. All of it. See, the impact of man, we've got to look at our world around us. When man loses their mind, actually the world suffers. And our, the environment and the domain, we are called and mandated to oversee and bring renewal to in all ways and all things. And see, Jesus break in, starts to be affected. The, the converse happens when man begins to bring order and life. The incredible converse happens. And that's why we trust. And we keep crying out for our nation. We keep praying for our nation. We keep calling out for God to break in and bring freedom in life. But then the amazing, amazing, and most amazing, in the midst of all this, and if we get caught up in the detail, let's get caught up in the detail of this. It says, Noah found grace. God says, what I'm going to do, I'm going to bring a way of salvation, a Jesus-type man who has fought for me, who has held his line, who has been faithful. I'm going to pour my grace over him in this story. Noah's just an average guy who the grace of God gets poured over. That's why I love him. I don't see Noah as this, as this uh, Russell Crowe character with the best voice in town, well, except in Lemon's Rob. Let's just be honest. Russell Crowe cannot sing. Just put that out there. Nice guy, but can't sing. And the ark is this amazing picture of, of Jesus, it's not Noah. Noah's not the Jesus. To me, the ark is Jesus because Noah takes his family and gets to place them inside the ark. The gospel says, would you come and would you be placed in Jesus? And in Christ we walk and in Christ we are freed and in Christ we can walk this life out and into the space that he brings. That's the big picture story. But here's the thing. It's this 10 generations from Abraham, Adam to Noah. But I love this. Genesis 6 verse 9. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time and he walked faithfully with God. See, I I meet people and Jesus breaks into his life and it's about the big steps. It's about I'm going to build the ark. But here's Noah. See, everyone is wanting to do the big step of faith. Be a missionary to a rural tribe who eat people. I'm going to go there. Okay, not many of you have said that one to me, but that's the extreme. And um, I'm going to start a church. I'm going to build this. I'm going to do this. Do something crazy. But faith generally starts when we share the gospel with someone in our neighborhood. To me, that's faith. It starts somewhere. It starts loving the one. Loving the one. Engaging the one. Just doing something. And the craziest thing we can do in faith is to live different. Noah is commended as this man who walked faithfully with God. It's nothing flashy. And actually, we live in a world where the faithful guy is like, I don't want to be the faithful guy. They don't really normally make movies about the faithful guy. And there was Bob. Bob. And Bob walked with him and his three kids for years. We're going to make a movie about Bob. I don't know why I'm going American. Sorry, it's the end of the year and that was inappropriate. I apologize. But, it's, but they don't make movies about the faithful guy, the guy who just plotted. They don't make grand stories about them. And yet Noah was just a faithful guy who walked faithfully with God. I love it. It's an incredible story. Because God is watching and he's looking for faith. A couple of things about Noah. nothing flashy. He walked faithfully with God. There's this other guy just before Noah. His name's Enoch. All we know about Enoch is he walked for 300 years with God. It says in Genesis 5 verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. God just says, actually, that guy who's walked faithfully with me for 300 years. Whoop. Just faithfulness. And we look at Noah and we think he's this big story. Let me tell you, Noah, he's a family man. He's got three sons. Pray for him. Their names are Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Just a family guy. He, he, he lived something of a normal, ordinary life. He had to provide. He had to work. He had to work the ground so he could provide for his family. Just an ordinary guy. I think the problem when you do a, are oh, you crazy Hebrews 11 series, everyone goes, well, no, I'm not crazy. And I'm, I just want to tell you Noah about an ordinary guy who was faithful, who walked with God, and he had a family. He, he was already walking in the purposes of God because he'd already received the mandate, go forth and multiply. And it's the first mandate he gets straight afterwards. It's like, okay, Noah, you're the faithful guy's three kids. Boom. Storm. Drown the earth. Start again. Okay, go forth and multiply. It's like this mandate again, and God says it to him twice. And there is this mandate on man, it's like, and I was sitting with someone the other day and we were just talking and, and he was saying, I don't want to do the normal thing and I don't want to just, the kids in the house and I'm going, but do you realize there's a mandate on man to go forth and multiply and create images of God? Not little children, we're creating more images of God and multiplying. Well, that's my theology around kids anyway. My kids aren't for me, they're for the gospel. My kids aren't there to reflect my image, they're there to reflect his image in the uniqueness of how he made them and designed them. I'm just telling you about Noah, a faithful guy. A faithful guy who they've made movies about. You want a big story of faith in your life, well, let the small stories of faith begin to add up. Begin to counter to something, to come into, because before Noah was celebrated as a man of faith, he was celebrated as a man of faithfulness. Don't despise the faithfulness. Allow God to reveal the man of faith. I think that's what I really want to say today. I think when I engage people, it's like, what's the thing? And they, they, I can see the sweat start to come over their heads. The pastors asked me what I'm going to do for Jesus. I want to start an orphanage. Okay. You got saved last week. Let's just teach you something small. And I love that. I think there's something of Jesus in that. But I think there's some wisdom of looking at these men and women in the story and saying, God, well, he just started with what he had. He was just faithful for year after year like Enoch another big story and, and, and when man sins the world falls and, and God says actually what I'm going to do and he breathes his love and the big story of Noah really is this what do you really believe? what do you really believe? see when, when God came to Noah and God told him what he did Noah could have gone mm, a bit weird God so you put all this work in you work really hard for those seven days and I'm just going to wipe that off the face of the earth a bit weird you're probably not going to do that I'm not really going to believe this or did he choose to believe God? And he doesn't say, Noah there, thought about it, and then chose to believe. it." Just look at his actions, and they reveal he believed God. Here's the question. Your actions, do they reveal you believe God? In your personal relations with people, do they reveal you believe God? Here's what it looks like. I pray for my enemy. Here's what it looks like. I am a peacemaker like Jesus. That reveals I believe God, not a prayer of faith, not a Facebook status. And I really do enjoy Facebook, but I do seem to give it a smack every now and again. But actually, the issue is what is your life revealing about whether you believe jo- Jesus and His story? What, what are, when He calls you to, to your thought life, what does that reveal if that was played up on the screen? Does it reveal belief in Jesus? R.T. Kendall just says this, faith equals believing Jesus, believing God, trusting God, reverent awe of Yo, you're amazing God, not just in worship on a Sunday, but in my daily decisions of faithfulness to Jesus. That when the big question comes, it's easy because I've learned to trust you in the journey. Your financial statements given to SARS, do they reveal that you believe in Jesus? I hope so. Otherwise, we are just empty shells. And we need to come back, repent, and find ourselves before Jesus again. The way, what you do with your time, what does that reveal? See, Noah was celebrated man. He believed God. And there's a faith factor in this. You will be misunderstood. And let's just play out the story, and then we're going to land it. Because I think of Noah, and I think, oh, this guy must have had some hard times. You start building the ark, and your neighbors are going, oh, so, so you're better than us now. We haven't had rain. The commentators are split. They're a little bit like, okay, some say there had been rain before Noah. Others say there actually hadn't been rain before Noah. And there's there's enough to say both are possibilities. So potentially there hadn't been rain. And they are saying now you're going to build an ark. For what? For what? You're going to build an ark. For what? And he starts to build and he starts calling. And he's called this preacher of righteousness. He's saying, guys, come on, we're messing it up. God spoke and the storm's coming. Come with us, build the ark, save yourselves in Christ. And sometimes you might feel like that. And the minute you're walking to your neighbor's door and and, and all that you've ever done with your neighbor is, how's it? And you both wave politely, how's it? And you're thinking, he's not going to get me. He's thinking I'm weird. What do you think Noah felt? He's walking around, starts building an ark in the middle of no rain. How many people are building dams right now? It's not raining. But God. And there's commentators. There's always commentators. You watch the cricket and and our boys haven't done a whole lot of good in India lately. And you hear the commentators speaking and they've got a lot to say. There will always be commentators in your faith story. Learn to overcome the commentators here with the daily faithfulness. And when the big story of faith comes and he calls you into a story, you can respond because you've overcome and you've dealt with the fact you're going to be misunderstood. You are going to be misunderstood. And I've told you before and I've confessed before, I like being liked. I really do think I'm one of the nicest guys I know. Just being honest. But when people, and I can see them and I tell them I'm a pastor, and immediately there's like, whoa, and I don't like that. But I love Jesus. And I have to hold on to that. It's just processing our own story. As I, as I sat talking to this man, this Dutch man, um, who'd been in the same industry as myself, and I began to tell him a story because he knew where I'd come from because he had the same background. The company I worked with was Anglo-Dutch. He was in the same field. And I began to think about our story. I, I remember before I asked Candace to marry me, that was the next word. Uh, I flew up to Joburg to speak to her dad, who at our wedding made a proud announcement that he was atheist and that spiritual stuff was good, but now he's going to give the practical stuff. And so he wasn't really up for this, this kind of church thing. He kind of was okay that we were in it, but he didn't think much of it. I was in the corporate world. I flew up to see him. I said, can I marry your daughter? His basic question to me was, how much, you gonna, how much do you earn and how much what are your prospects? That was the question. Then one day I got to come to him and say, well, actually, you know, all that stuff I told you, it's changed. We're going to go work for the church, the thing you don't believe in. He thought I was nuts. My own father took me to church for year after year who taught me about Jesus, and when I made the decision to go into ministry, I could see the wrestle and the misunderstanding, and he told me about it. The friends you walked with for a year, and they were your rugby mates, and you'd play rugby with them and have a drink with them afterwards, and then they they would ask you to play, and say, actually, I can't come because I'm going to church. And they think, well, that's okay. He'll get over it like everyone else does. You come back to them and say, well, actually, that job I've worked so hard for and studied for and put everything, I'm going to go do that full time. And they go, are you a little bit nuts? And you go sit with a Dutch MD who looks like the archer's aquaman and you tell him your decision. He says, well, go get it out your system. I'll see you in two years. I'm just telling you this because I don't like being misunderstood. I don't like people not liking me. I really don't. But when it comes to Jesus and the call of the Father and I look at Noah and I say, Noah, you're a man of faithfulness and God elevated you to a man of faith just because you could stand. The world needs men and women who can deal with the fact that the world are going to ask us questions, are you crazy? Genesis 6 verse 22, Noah's obedience and and actually the crux of this whole thing says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Did everything. I remember one of the things, someone challenged me, someone in the marketplace I was working with and I told them I was going to the church and and they said, you're so selfish. I didn't quite understand it. I said, what what do you mean I'm selfish? In this day and age, to leave that world and to go into the church where there's no things, what about your kids? How are you going to do that? I'm like, selfish. But you realize, people process things completely different and we got to be okay with that. And we can't react with our own prejudices and preferences. Because God said Noah did everything, just as God commanded. And I want to end on this. since he did everything. The cypress wood, the three stories high. God's going to ask some things of us, and they're going to start in the small battles. David didn't start fighting a giant. David started fighting a bear and a lion. Maybe something smaller than a bear, first up. I'm not sure. The little guys. And then the bear. And then the lion. And then Goliath comes. It's just another guy. It's just another guy coming to attack that which I'm called to protect. Let us celebrate the little victories. Let us be men and women who are asking, Are you crazy? On a beautiful day like this, to go do community on a Sunday with people and what? Gather around the Bible? It's so old. Who even knows if that book's real? That's faith. That's the decision. It's just a couple of things. See, the bark wasn't Noah's idea, and your faith journey probably won't be yours. Mine wasn't ministry. I'll tell you now. But it's God's idea. Let me tell you, when a faith story, marriage is not your idea. It's God's idea. And we need faith for it business, and human relations, how to do it. It's not your idea, it's God's idea. So you want to find out how to do it? Trust Him. Believe Him. Allow Him to show you. Sexuality, it's not your idea. It's His idea. We need faith to stand in a world of chaos. Finances, it just carries on. God is a master builder. And I'm going to have to cut this really short, but He builds with cypress wood. There's personal cost here. He didn't he didn't go to the bank of investments in kingdom missions. They didn't exist and find someone to invest. Personally, he had to go buy the most expensive wood and invest it into a ship to be built, and a lot of it. This boat, the ark, was half the size of the Titanic. That's what they say in the dimensions. It's pretty darn big. It cost him. It says three stories high. You can imagine, oh, well, God, can't we go for two stories and maybe a deck? Because it'll be easier to build says, no, no, I want you to build three stories high because I want lots of people to come. But God, look at them. Look how crazy they live their lives. No, no, I've got a plan. You remember those years when you walked and I showed you? I'm just showing you. And then it it says there's rooms, many, many rooms. See, part of the challenge of Wally is, is there room in your heart to be misunderstood, to be rejected, and yet still to love and still engage your neighbors with no reciprocal love? Is there room? See, our theme for Christmas is there's always room. Because there wasn't room in a manger for the King of Kings, and he creates the space for us always to step in. So the salvation of God breaks in and brings spaciousness, and we've got to show people that. If there wasn't room in Rower's heart, there wouldn't have been room on the ship for others. And then 450 foot long, 75 feet wide, 445 feet high. Just, I want to ask you, From the life of Noah, surrender the details and God will reveal the big picture. I think we come to God with these big pictures and say, God, I want to do this. And he says, I've just called you to do this. You don't even know what it looks like yet. I just want you to love that person. You don't know that that person might be the evangelist to the nations. I just want to make your home available to that young person who doesn't have someone to stay because you don't know where they will end up one day. And we despise the small things. I'm telling you, we miss the big pictures. Allow God to give us the details. Be faithful with the details in your life and your story. And I promise you, he will reveal the big picture. And there was a whole bunch of other stuff I wanted to speak about, the concept of holy fear. But I think Noah is this incredible story, an incredible encouragement of Before he was known as a man of faith, he was known as a man of faithfulness. And I think if you're a little bit like myself and you live for tomorrow and you live for the biggest story and you always seem somewhat discontent with the now God, you've got a DNA driving for this. Unfortunately, the day of faithfulness doesn't seem that sexy. Doesn't seem like that's the one I want. And yet I think Noah's story is God takes a man of faithfulness And says, I'm going to turn you into a man of faith. And you'll be celebrated as a hero. And you will be celebrated as someone cheering on the church and the believers of time to come. In days when men and women need places of safety to come and run to. And that place being Jesus, you'll be that guy that I'll point them to. I think it's beautiful. And I think it's encouraging. It calls us to a great story.